0: I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney. And this is Caffeinated Crimes. I just love how when we start these, so Courtney and I are recording back to back again because we're trying to get ahead for some time off. Um, and we start these and we're like, we have nothing to talk about. And then we proceed to find things to talk about. And also, Courtney and I are now 10 minutes into our second Zoom call of the day after we yep. talked before our episode, during our episode, after the episode. Then we started the new Zoom call to start the new recording, and we still spent 10 minutes talking before we got into this episode. So clearly we'll never run out of things to say. <laughs> we'll never run out of things to
1: say, but we might run out of things that interest you. True. Not interest ourselves, but interest you, listener. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's
0: it's one of those things. Yeah, we I think we could just Yabby, 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 yabba yeah. all day long. Like I like looked at the time and I'm like, how has this Zoom call been 10 minutes? Like we just got off of an hour and a half of Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we just we always have a lot to say. Courtney and I also text all day, every day. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where if it's like, oh, if we haven't talked to each other all day and it's like four in the afternoon, it's like,
1: hey, what you doing? <laughs> are you still are you still alive? I actually just saw on my Facebook memories a few days ago. Um, where I don't know, eight years ago, seven years ago, I don't fucking know, a long ass time ago. Like you wrote on my wall, like, it's 4 p.m. and I haven't heard from you today. Are you alive? That's so funny. I know. So I actually just saw that. I can't remember what day it was, but it was a few days ago on my memories. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is still so accurate.
0: Do you remember? And you listeners, do you remember when you would have conversations on someone's Facebook wall like back and forth on your own walls, like before comment threads, like you would like write on their wall and then they would write on your wall. And so when you look back at your Facebook memories, there's all these just like random half conversations that you're like, I don't know what the fuck this is talking about. I don't know what this is about.
1: (laughs) And then also even when like the thread came in, like people will have deleted their Facebook. So you're just having a conversation with yourself. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who I was talking to. Like who was I trying to contact? no clue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's pretty interesting. Facebook has come a long way, you know? Yeah. Remember poking also
1: when you used to, (laughs) I do remember poking people. (laughs) Do you also remember, um, when you could get, uh, the, before there was like an app, You know, there wasn't Mm -hmm. an app yet. So you would get like the text messages about what people would like, oh, so-and-so commented and Mm -hmm. you could like reply and it would be like replied from iPhone and stuff like that. Yes. Um, I remember that there was something else. Also, I just want to say, I kind of miss the old school Facebook games like Farmville. Don't really feel like there's a good equivalent now of like Farmville. Like, but also that was the best day of social media.
0: I'm really glad there are no more. Farmville requests every time I log into Facebook because that I mean, got really true, annoying. Too. But yeah, Farmville cool. was. You know what?
1: You know what I did? I have an easy solution for that. I made fake Facebook profiles that I could send my Farmville requests to, so I didn't have to annoy people. <laughs> and they still pop up sometimes. Um, We had me and my sister had one called Riley Todd because that was our cat and our dog's <laughs> name. Um, <laughs> And so we would just create these fake profiles so that we didn't have to be embarrassing Uh, and send requests to random people for it. That's great. But this also might just be uh, just as embarrassing, but you know what? At
0: least we weren't bugging people. That's true. That's true. That's true. At least I didn't get mad at Courtney's Farmville requests and... Mm -mm you know, but I remember we used to poke each other a lot. I remember logging in mm-hmm. and you like go back and poke back everyone that poked you, you. like poke back, poke back, poke back. Yep. And then you get that random poke from someone. And
1: you're like, why you're are you like, Oh you yeah. Oh, oh. Cancel. I ain't poking <laughs> um, you keep that poke yeah. to yourself. <laughs> and, um, another thing I see a lot are those like truth is, or, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm being, you know, like, Oh, if you comment, I'll go and comment on your wall, the truth I feel about you and every single one I read, I'm like, This ain't the fucking truth. Y'all probably Mm -hmm. fucking hated me. Yeah. Random ass
0: people. I'm like, everyone always is so kind with an, or the one where it's like, oh, do like a, a, like a dislike, a this, this, and the dislike is like, oh, I wish we knew each other better. Oh, I wish we spent more time together. Oh no. There's plenty to dislike about me, honey. You can tell me what it is. It's all good. (laughs) Oh, well, maybe maybe we we should do one of those for the pod. (laughs) Let us know what you like, what you dislike. Yes. (laughs) That would be
1: so funny.
0: <laughs> and Up I also remember, our- I'm going to
1: bring it back to my space. Yes. Do the MySpace surveys, which mm-hmm. people are trying to do on Facebook now. And I'm like, can we not? Yeah.
0: Can it's- we not? You I feel like that day
1: two years old, we don't need to be doing this anymore. I mean, if it was like a 16 year old doing a yeah. survey kind of thing. That's fine. I was there. I was there too. Um, but like I don't, people who are my age, I'm like, let's not do this, like, answer these questions, survey. Like, nothing cute.
0: I don't need to know it's the last thing you drank or the last time you cried, or you know. Yeah, no, so. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks.
1: Anyway, so we talked about how we didn't know what we were gonna talk about at the beginning of this episode. And here we go. We got you a whole six minutes on Facebook.com. You yep. are welcome, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um <laughs> So we're just going to jump into today's episode. So our sources are a forensic files episode. That's season 12, episode one, sharper image, um, a few articles from tampabay.com, a pump free law website and a St. Petersburg times article. So, Karen Ferger was a single mother who was trying to make ends meet for her children. So, she did work a night shift at a food processing plant and she hired an acquaintance, Jack Hubble, as a live in babysitter. So, on October 3rd, 1997, in Blanton, Florida, Jack Hubble and his wife woke up and realized nine year old Shara Ferger was missing. So, the Hubbles contacted a few neighborhood friends and started searching for her to see if, like, is she still in the neighborhood? Like, where did she go? And Karen said that she was scared and nervous and she just had this like gut instinct, like something happened to her. She was like, I don't know if it's, I see this a lot with like moms, especially mm-hmm. with like their children. They're like, I just had a feeling like something yeah. happened. So at three 30 that afternoon, they did find Shara in a field about 300 yards from the residence. She'd been reportedly stabbed and left for dead out in the field. So Karen actually tried to jump the fence to get to her, but like Ooh. cops had to hold her back. She was like. I just need to be to my baby. And then she said she saw the paramedics come and they didn't like rush and get out of the ambulance quickly. And she was Mm -hmm. like, I knew that Shara was gone. Like Mm -hmm. when I saw the ambulance pull up and they're not like trying to like save her, like I knew that she was dead.
0: Oh, well, that's awful.
1: I know. So investigators immediately start questioning Jack Hubble because there's no sign of forced entry into the house. And he's the last known person to see Shara alive, you know, like You got to go with like the first, you know, first Mm -hmm. number one suspect there. Um, So he said the night before Shara and her brother, Joseph had fallen asleep on the sofa while watching television. So he turned off the TV, covered them up and went to bed and was like, you guys just stay here on the couch. Like, I'm not going to wake you up. Like you're Mm -hmm. fine. So later Joseph came into his bedroom, frightened. Um, Joseph said he heard noises and kind of like pots and pans rattling in the kitchen. And it really startled him. So Jack didn't really ask too many questions and was like, you know, you're a young kid. Like you, you get mm-hmm. startled, like, come on, just crawl into bed with us. You can sleep here. Like, it's fine. Um, and Joseph said Shara was still asleep when Joseph went into the Hubble's bedroom. So Karen was kind of suspicious of Jack, but she also didn't want to believe that Jack had anything to do with Shara's murder. Cause like she had hired him as like live-in babysitter. Mm-hmm. Like he was with her kids all the time. So Karen wasn't even really sure if he was like capable. Um, so Again, there was no sign of forced entry. So investigators believe that whoever came into the house, like had to have known some way to enter the residence without like breaking a window or breaking the door. Mm -hmm. And Jack's behavior in the 24 hours before Shara's death was also a little troubling. Um, So the night before Jack went into Crystal, who's Shara's older sister and karen's oldest daughter's window and tried to climb through it um so jack told investigators he did this because he was a recovering heroin addict and was trying to find his methadone prescription Hmm. Mm-hmm. don't really know why that why you're in a mm-hmm. teenager's bedroom crawling in her window but what why, why you know. does she
0: have your methadone that doesn't um okay yeah
1: so investigators like really didn't believe this was a good explanation on like why he was actually there and Crystal was like I was terrified like he didn't try to do anything to her but she was just really really uncomfortable with mm-hmm. the whole situation yeah so the next night um, October 3rd she did lock her door and her bedroom window because she was like I'm a little worried mm-hmm. um, and with Shara's death this case is gradually starting to make national news especially with all these kind of like speculations of mm-hmm. what's happening. So trigger warning here for sexual assaults and children. Um, so at the autopsy, the medical examiner found that Shara had been sexually assaulted and two weapons were used in her murder. She'd been stabbed 48 times, including stabs to the skull. Mm.
0: It's
1: like, oh, she's like nine. She's yeah. like a baby. Mm. So one appeared to be a thin sharp bladed instrument consistent with a weapon similar to like a knife. And the other was like a round object, kind of consistent with like a Phillips screwdriver. Um, So now with these like two different weapon marks, they're like, could this be two perpetrators? Um, And the medical examiner also found a bite mark on her shoulder and four human hairs with the roots attached. So it did appear the hairs had been ripped maybe from someone's head, like during a struggle. Cause like, if your hair just kind of falls out, you might not always like, Mm -hmm. I guess, get the full root to them. It looked like it'd been ripped out. So they obtained a DNA profile from the hair root and they compared it to the DNA swab taken from Jack and there was no match. Um, And the bite mark impression did not match Jack either. So after five days in custody, he was released. They were like, yeah, you didn't seem to have anything to do with Mm -hmm. this. So investigators believe Shara had not left the neighborhood. So they believe the perpetrators had come into the neighborhood and had had to have been either seen by someone or possibly like know someone. So they're like, we think maybe like, It could be someone in the neighborhood. So they are asking now for all men in the neighborhood to give teeth impressions. And this generated an important lead. So a forensic odontologist identified Dale Morris, who lived down the street from the Fergers, as the person responsible for the bite mark on Shara's shoulder. They were told like, this is it. Arrest him. We have our guy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It gets complicated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Dale Morris was married and a stepfather to a teenage girl. Um, he adamantly denied any involvement in Shara's murder. And he even told them like, I've never even met Shara. Um, but that was actually untrue because, uh, he had met her and Shara had even been in his house before, like visiting his daughter. So it's like, you did know who she was Mm -hmm. during his interrogation, Dale, like denied it, like adamantly denied it. And he eventually said yeah i guess i did it while i was in my bed sleeping kind of like sarcastic like yeah if i did it i must have been sleepwalking like Mm -hmm. (laughs) but investigators are like he confessed this is a confession we got Mm -hmm. him so they charged him with first degree murder so the public defender tom hanlon assigned his case believed this quote confession was preposterous because it is, like, yeah. It, he didn't say it. Like Dale's just saying, like I would have had to have been asleep because I never went over there. Mm-hmm. I never did that. It's not like a confession. <laughs> yeah, like
0: he's, he's clearly being sarcastic and is not giving any kind of details about what actually happens. So yeah.
1: So Tom wanted a second opinion on the bite marks and called Dr. Lowell Levine, who's another forensic anthropologist who's been involved in many high-profile cases. So Dr. Levine believed the pictures of the bite marks were too like blurry for quality analysis. He's like, you can't see anything on this. It's just really blurry. Um, So he wanted the police photographs to be digitally clarified. So here we go again. You know how forensic files love to be like unique with their names, sharper image (laughs) coming around. (laughs) So Tom called NASA who were experts in digital photo enhancement and NASA recommended using Lucius, which is like. At the time was a new software that sharpened images. Um, so it kind of makes small differences in contrast large enough for the human eye to see. So they go a lot more into it in the episode, but that's basically what it is: is it's Mm -hmm. like it can make those little small differences, like large enough where you can actually see it with your eyes. Mm -hmm. So when completed, the clarified photos show there were actually two lines of teeth. So there's like Two complete bite marks in the mm-hmm. photo but just kind of like together yeah um so now dr levine is like okay there's two ch- two bite marks here so he compares them to dale's teeth and he's like this is not it they're not the same mm-hmm. teeth um so he believed there's no way that dale could have caused the bite mark um and the analysis also convinced investigators they were wrong and they released dale after he was in custody for four and a half months wow a long time So now we have Jack Hubble and Dale Morris being cleared. Shara's case is still unsolved. Um, It was six months now, like old and was becoming a cold case. And especially because it's like your two suspects, neither of them did it. So it's Mm -hmm. like, who else do we have? So the community starts getting upset and unsettled. Everyone's on edge investigators re-interviewed neighbors to try and see if like anything was missing so they started with shara's uncle gary cochran who was with shara at a carnival on the afternoon of her murder karen said her and gary like never really got along um she said after she split with shara's dad he just kind of hated her because she wouldn't let shara visit her dad Um, and so cochran would also know that the fergus side door lock was broken which they knew was how the murder en- the murderer entered the home since there was no sign of forced entry mm-hmm. so Cochrane said he had an alibi however he was like i was out drinking i wasn't even in the area um and he ended up like partying with some other people but investigators found his alibi wasn't exactly the truth and Cochrane willingly
0: provided a dna sample, but that did not match the hair from the crime scene So investigators also found that Cochran had spent time in jail for a drug-related offense and developed a reputation for some odd behavior. Inmates in jail said that he had bitten at least six other inmates while he was in jail with them. That's a weird, I've never heard of people biting other inmates. Me either.
1: um, (laughs) either. Yeah.
0: His ex-wife also stated that during sex, he often bit her to the point of drawing blood. We got, we got some biting issues going on here. Um, obviously, this is significant because Shara had been bitten. Um, so, investigators took molds of his teeth and sent them to Dr. Levine. Almost immediately, he noticed something distinctive. So, Cochrane had two unusual characteristics. So, there was space between two premolars, one was rotated and the other was like deformed or broken. So, Dr. Levine said that the bite marks matched Cochrane. Cochran maintained his innocence and said that he may have like playfully bitten her when they were together earlier. Which okay, like why is that your
1: excuse? Your nine-year-old niece, I may have playfully bitten her, and like if you see like the picture of these bite marks, they're like bite marks.
0: Yeah, like it's a deep bruise. This isn't something that was like a oh I just put my teeth on you. Which what you just fucking weird.
1: Print it's like you know
0: yeah yeah. Um, So they did ask Dr. Levine like if it could be possible that this was from like earlier Um, and he did say it was a perimortem injury, meaning an injury that occurred around the time of death. So he's like, I don't think this is a six hour old injury that you supposedly bit her while Mm -hmm. she was still alive again, which would also be fucking weird and suspicious. (laughs) Um, However, if Cochran was involved, they figured that he had to have an accomplice who matched the hair found. Um, so they did a search on a national database, but didn't come up with any matches, but then investigators get a tip from an informant that Cochran had been seen with his 17 year old friend, Steve Cannon on the night of Shara's murder. So Cannon told an outright lie to investigators and said that he didn't know Cochran or anyone in the Ferger family. Um, and then Karen was like, yeah, no, I, I I know Steve from when he was little, like she was friends, um, with his aunt and his mom. Like they used to hang out together. Like all the kids went to the park together. <laughs> Steve even dated Crystal at one point and had been in their home a few times. So they're like, clearly, you you are involved with this family. <laughs> like, it's such a trend here of like people being like, I don't know them. And it's like, nope, never met yeah, them. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do here. So the informant also told investigators that Cochrane and Cannon were doing drugs together on the night of Shara's murder. So Cannon provided a saliva sample, and eight weeks later, results came back that the hair did match Cannon. So now investigators believe that Cannon and Cochran were drinking in a local bar on October 3rd and had bought some crack cocaine. They believe that sometime after midnight, they went to the Furger home and entered through the side door that they knew was broken. Um, So they think maybe this is what scared Joseph when he ran into Jack's room. Um, Like he heard these men coming in. Um, They may have tried to go to Crystal's room first, but it was locked. Remember, because Jack had tried to enter through the window hmm. So much shit happening. Um, and they think that then he saw Shara in the living room. So no one really knows how they persuaded her to go outside. Um, but They do believe that they put her in the car and drove her to the field about 300 yards away. And they think that she fought back, which is how she got Cannon's hair. So Cannon and Cochran were both indicted by a grand jury on the charge of first degree murder. In September 2005, they were tried for first degree murder. And then a jailhouse informant, Randy Kernan, said in his testimony that Cannon had described in detail how he took Shara into a field and proceeded to rape and murder her. So Cannon had been in jail for a robbery charge when he supposedly told this to Kernan. Um, and the robbery had occurred prior to Shara's death. So there were no witnesses to the murder, but they did have Cannon's hair. Um, Cochran decided to plead guilty to avoid the death penalty, and a jury found Cannon guilty of first-degree murder after deliberating for one hour and 36 minutes. So Cannon was unable to receive the death penalty because he was only 17, so he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, as was Cochran. So in 2012, the Supreme Court reopened cases that they believed would be available for resentencing, and this included Cannon's case. So this led to some defense attorneys looking into his case a little bit deeper, and they did request that a judge allow DNA to be, ba- to be made available for retesting. So in the summer of 2021, evidence came back that foreign DNA inside of Shara's body did not belong to either Cochran or Cannon. So in September of 2021, Cannon's attorneys argued that they had uncovered new evidence to dismantle the state's case against him. The attorneys also said that the prosecutors withheld key evidence that would cast doubt on the credibility of several witnesses, including the jail informant that was really at the heart of the case. So Cochran's Innocence Project of Florida attorney plans to also file a similar motion for his client. And the motions also shed light on how the informant received favorable, favorable treatment by law enforcement when he testified that he did not receive it. So he's like, no, I'm not getting anything for my testimony, but he really was. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: we know that that can lead someone to lie if like, oh, we're going to knock time off if you get this other person convicted. And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll say he said this. No problem. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Yeah. Exactly. So Cannon's attorneys raised two other concerns in the motion. So other witnesses had said the shirt Cannon was wearing on October 3rd was bloody when they saw it the next day. But a report did say that the shirt had been tested and was negative for blood. So it's like that doesn't matter if someone thinks they saw blood on the shirt because clearly it was not blood because it was actually tested. Um, Another witness had a criminal history that the court did not disclose, which could have impacted his credibility. Um, And the attorneys also speculated that the hair found on Shara's body could have come from a recent visit to the Ferger house. So Florida courts have repeatedly found that hair is easily transferable between people and locations. And he had slept on the couch that Shara was sleeping on weeks earlier. So like this isn't like proof that he was there at this specific time that he had anything to do with the rape or the murder.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jacqueline, how many times do I come visit at your house? And two weeks later, you find my hair everywhere.
0: <laughs> two weeks later, I still find Courtney's hair and Courtney hasn't been here in months. Yeah. Yeah. Seven months. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I'll, I'll be like, oh, here's Courtney's hair in like this room that she is yeah. in. And yeah.
1: And like cat hair, like stuff like yeah. that. It's just like, yeah, it's, it, it moves around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So with the DNA showing that it was not a match to Cannon or Cochrane, the unreliability of the jailhouse informants and the bite mark analysis, which we know now is pretty debunked, um, you would think that this would warrant a new trial. But the prosecutors are fighting back and trying really hard to keep this case closed. They're like, Mm-mm, we don't want you digging into this. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Bartlett, who was appointed as the Pinellas Pasco state attorney in 2021, has opposed creating a review unit to ensure the integrity of prosecutions when new evidence emerges. Uh, OK, yeah. so these, these units are common and they're trying to help exonerate wrongfully convicted people. So why would you oppose that? Why would you not? Yeah. If you are so confident in your prosecutors and in these cases, you should be all for a unit that will double check and make sure that everything was done correctly there would be no reason to oppose it.
1: Like with this case, it's all evidence that we've basically found to be bullshit. Mm -hmm, Like jailhouse informants, bite mark analysis, bite mark. Like when you bite someone and then how the bruise forms and your body morphs, like there's no way to like really accurately like compare those. Like I know it was a big deal in the Ted Bundy case, but like the thing is like these days, like that probably wouldn't be allowed in court.
0: No, So it's like
1: a lot of different like counties and cities have like created these review units to be like, let's go back and look at these old cases and make sure that we didn't fuck something up. Mm-hmm. And now this guy's like, no, we're not creating that. We're not going to do that.
0: Yeah. It's- he's like, we don't, we don't need that. We don't need to make yeah. sure that we put the right people behind bars. That's not important. That's we are not about justice. We're just about convictions. We're just about our numbers and saying that we've had this percentage convicted and we don't really care if it's the right person or not. Yeah. So a judge will rule in the coming months on whether or not Canon deserves a new trial. Um, So we will keep an eye on this and we'll see, you know, if they're granted these new trials again, the evidence isn't really credible in this case. So we talked about the bite mark analysis that we know now is like, like maybe if you're like, Oh, I need to know if it was person a or person B here is the bite. Can you tell me that probably, But you can also,
1: if you have like really distinctive teeth, like maybe Mm -hmm. if your teeth are like very, very crooked, you know what I'm saying? Like something that's like out really outstanding. Like,
0: but the thing is like, even with that, like there's so many people in the world that it's like, unless you have someone else to compare it to, it's like someone else could have the exact mm -hmm. same, like teeth aren't, you know, DNA. Well, there's DNA in your teeth, but you know, teeth marks, you know? Um, And the thing is we do have DNA. Inside Shara's yeah. body that does not match these two men
1: exactly. And that's big. That is really, really big. Yeah,
0: yeah. Especially
1: because she's nine. Like in other cases when they're like, "Oh, well, maybe she slept with someone," she's nine. Yeah, so she. Something she, is
0: happening. Whoever's DNA is inside her is,
1: yeah, uh, responsible. Basically, yeah.
0: What's where I'm looking for? You,
1: you did something illegal, no matter what it, it is. is.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I did. <laughs> Um, but if Cochran and Cannon did not murder Shara, then who did? I mean, that person's yeah, still out it? there if it wasn't the two of them. Um, Karen does still believe that Cannon is guilty for what that's worth, but yeah. again, I mean, this
1: one's tough. Um, basically this, um, I decided to watch a forensic files episode. And so this episode when I then later started looking into it because you know forensic files was released a while ago Mm -hmm. these are old old episodes back before we kind of knew new stuff but you know a lot of times forensic files are like here's how it happened they are guilty end of story yeah so when I finished the episode I was looking it up and see all this doubt so this is going to start a series of (laughs) forensic file episodes that maybe aren't as clear-cut as they seem Mm -hmm. so you might see a few of those coming up in future episodes if you know of an episode in a case send it to us. Cause yep. I love a forensic files episode, but I think that's the thing too. I mean, even like last week when we were talking about Kitty Genovese and like mm-hmm. information's out there and never gets like redacted or corrected. It's yeah. like, if you watch this forensic files episode, you're like, yeah, clear cut. Did it. People did it. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Um, but maybe that's not the full case. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something else. So it's like, it's rough, especially like with these debunked science, you know, like hair mm-hmm. analysis, like hair that hair could have been any, like it could have been on the couch and that's how it was on her. Um, the bite mark, it's just so hard. And especially if there's two lines and they're like on top of each other, like, how can you Mm -hmm. really say, and you have DNA
0: that doesn't belong to either of them. So it's just like, again, it goes back to just too much reasonable doubt. Like even, Mm -hmm. even if you think there's a good chance they did it, it's like, if you have so much reasonable doubt that they didn't, you can't, you can't really convict them. I mean, what what do you have to go off of here? Really? Yeah. And yeah. I know Cochran
1: hair. might be more screwed than Canon too. Yeah, he did plead guilty because he was like, I just don't want the death penalty. I mean, this is Florida. So mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want the death penalty. Like, I, you know, what am I supposed to do? I probably don't have enough money to like fight this or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean like, even the innocence project is helping them out, which they only take cases where it's like where there's a pretty really, good chance, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll definitely let you guys know, um, any updates, you know, in this case and if two people were wrongfully convicted, hopefully that is, you know, corrected at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the horrific murder of nine-year-old Shara Forger. Yeah.
1: Such a sad case. I know the kid ones are just,
0: they're, They're um, they're hard. Um, hard to uh, swing back from that, but Courtney, do you, uh, do you have a park of the week?
1: I do. So um, if you listen to last week's episode, you know, we're back-to-back recording and that during that episode, Kevin scared the bejesus out of me <laughs> and but he brought me coffee. So it's worth it. And I will say um, this coffee is, it's a 10 out of 10. Sometimes Good. Duncan gets it wrong. Yeah. Duncan got it a hundred percent right this time. You go, Duncan. this coffee, You know what, for all my ASMR people, here you go. Please. Uh, Hello. Mm. Just they hit it on the nose. You know, sometimes it's not what you want, but this one, it's very good. It's giving me life because I'm pretty tired. Mm. Just this coffee. And, you know, sometimes it's just,
0: (laughs) sometimes you just need a Dunkin' coffee. I thought my porch last week was bad, but you were just nailing it with this single coffee, Courtney. Single I'm so proud of you.
1: This one <laughs> coffee. And sometimes, you know, that's just whatever gets you through the day. Okay. <laughs> but like, I did see, 100%. I saw this TikTok where this guy was like, anytime you get a Dunkin', like it's like a Russian roulette. It's like, it's either going to be the best <laughs> coffee so of true. your life or the worst coffee. And that will determine your day. Um, It was like so the true. bones or no bones before it became popular, you know, like, how's my Duncan today? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a good day or a bad? day? Um, so hopefully this means it's a good day. So
0: <laughs> I also got a coffee this morning for my significant other. Cause he ran some errands with the baby while I cleaned the house and then he brought me a coffee home. So it was like a win, 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 nice. you know? Yeah.
1: So that's my perk of the week. It's not like super flashy, exciting, but you know, coffee is yes. coffee inspired the name of this podcast. So
0: you know, it's a big deal. That is why you're looking at that beautiful logo that Courtney's sister created with our name. Right on it. Yeah.
1: That's what a logo is.
0: (laughs) Okay. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? (laughs) Um, So my perk of the week is that my father-in-law is currently on his way here from Tennessee to watch our baby this week, because of course I have my first in-person work event since March of 2020. This is a huge first one. I don't know what the hell to wear. Are my clothes even still fashionable from two years ago? I don't know. Anyway. Um, but I have that coming up this week. So I was like, cool. Going to let Andrew know he's going to have to take the day off work to keep the baby. Cause you know, I keep her and work from home at the same time. Well, of course my husband is now going to be out of not now. This was two months ago when we discovered this, but was going to be out of town those same days at a work meeting. So I was like, okay, I don't know what to do with this kid. And thankfully my father-in-law is retired and willing to drive 500 miles to babysit for the day and then go back home. <laughs> so
1: that's dedication. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that is my perk of the week is that he is coming in, Pappy coming in to save the day. Um, I'm just very grateful that I have people in my life who are willing to do that for me and to help us and support us as we raise this tiny human in a state with no friends or family. Yeah. <laughs> so. The fact that he's willing to travel to help us out is just means a lot, and it is a very exciting perk of the week. Yeah, that is exciting. Um,
1: it's always fun getting to see family you don't see often too. Like my perk of the week mm-hmm. last week, that kind of came off wrong at the beginning, but
0: <laughs> I'm very you turned it around. I turned it around.
1: <laughs> That's the thing. I'm, it's my coffee, just because I'm so sad they're gone. So, but at least I'll yeah. see them semi soon. Yeah, but you know, soon. seeing family is always fun. Um, living away yeah. from people's heart. Yeah, If you want to tell us about your coffee, about your in-laws or family that come to town, um, if you want to tell us about your favorite Facebook memory or what you think <laughs> happened in this case, please do so on Instagram at Caffeine Crimes Pod, on Twitter at Caffeine Crimes Pod, that's C-A-F-F Crimes Pod facebook at caffeinated crimes podcast um you can we're on tiktok and youtube caffeinated crimes caffeinated crimes podcast variations of that you can send us a good old-fashioned email at Pod at gmail.com
0: um and if you i wow i don't know okay so (laughs) If you want some bonus episodes, if you want some monthly video episodes so you can hear and see all the things happening during these fun recordings, um, Courtney and I will look more presentable for the video episodes Mm -hmm. than we currently do because we currently both look in a hot mess. Um, Oh, yeah. If you want (laughs) what is wrong with me today, if you want all of those things, if you want pins and stickers and quarterly gifts if you want to hang out with us all tiers through the summer which is ending soon at Mm -hmm. the time that this comes out so make sure and hop on that if you want to get that fun perk you can do so at patreon.com slash caffeinated crimes as always it is very much appreciated if you leave us reviews on apple podcast or rate us on spotify or wherever you get your podcast if there's somewhere to say that you like us say you like us because that helps us out and it helps us get noticed more and yeah so do all of those things because we love you
1: yes and in the meantime go have a cup of coffee
0: and don't commit a crime